Well, good morning and welcome to New Hope Baptist Church. Welcome to our Croydon campus and welcome to our online watchers and listeners today. We're studying uh, in a series that uh, embraces our mission statement as a church. We have a very simple expression of our mission, to love God, to love others, and to serve the world. And that expression of living uh, should characterize the followers of Jesus. This coming week, we will celebrate in Australia the 200th anniversary of the Bible Society. The Bible Society was started in 1817, in the month of March, and Governor Macquarie was a, uh, an original uh, patron of the Bible Society and a major donor to the work of the Bible Society. It's the longest continuing uh, organization uh, in Australia the Bible Society. Uh, And that group who were the original founders of the Bible Society, businessmen and leaders in the uh, emerging nation, uh, just a couple of weeks later, they founded the New South Wales Bank, which is today Westpac Bank. And I love the order of that growth and development. First the Bible, then your bank book. First the things of God, and then the things of business, economy, uh, education, industry, uh, community, and civic order. Uh, I pray for that order of things in our hearts and in our lives as we seek to be the followers of Jesus. And as we celebrate in this week, 200 years of the Bible Society in Australia, I'd like to invite you to take your Bibles and to read with me this morning from 1 Peter where we're going to explore some words uh, uh, written and given to us by one of the followers of Jesus about how we should live out this mission calling. If you had only one week to live, what would you put in your diary? What would you, what would you have on your to-do list? Just one week to live. What would your priorities be? Well, let's read 1 Peter, chapter 4, verse 7 and following together. Here's Peter's answer to the question. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. If you had just one week to live, what would you put in your diary? What would you have on your to-do list? What would be the priorities of that week? Here's Peter's suggestion for your last week of activity, or for that matter, your last month, or for that matter, the last half of your life, or for that matter, however much left you have to live, 
pray, love, and serve. He says, the end is near. Your, your life is short. The trajectory of this broken world is much less than we think. And God comes to set things right, to address the great divide between heaven and earth, and to meld things in his glorious purposes into renewed hope and glory. The end is near, he says. So, you need to have a sober mind, an alert heart, an awake life, and be in communion with God. You need to pray and connect to your creator. You need to love others deeply, and you need to serve with all the gifts you've been given. In essence, he's stating the mission statement of our church, or we are stating in our mission statement what Peter has taught us. If you have one week to live, you should love God, love others, and serve the world. If you have half your life to live, you should love God, love others, and serve the world. The end is near. A lot of people read that and think, Peter got that wrong. He's sitting there talking to his followers, uh, the community that he's building, as he follows, has followed and continues to follow Jesus, and he's saying to them, the end is near. And skeptical scholars lean back 2,000 years later and say, well, he got that wrong, didn't he? He, he mixed that up. He, he confused himself there. Well, maybe. I don't know what was in Peter's head specifically, but I know that Hebrew culture and thought patterns places great value on urgency, on immediacy, in a way that Western culture is kind of lost. In Western culture, we place great value on progress. We just assume progress, yes? If, if you've enjoyed your iPhone 4, your iPhone 5, your iPhone 6, your iPhone 7, you are very confident that your iPhone 8 will be better. It's just the way we roll. If your parents had a nice house, you expect a nicer house. If your world had certain, you know, things that were a certain way at a certain time, you're anticipating them to get better because we have a great value on progress. The Hebrew people, not so much. They had a great value on urgency. A great value on the sense that history is moving towards godly purposes, towards God's great intentions. And so in, in the same way that we tend to hold in our hearts this idea, it'll get better. There'll be progress. We'll have more. Things, things will be easier in our future. The Hebrews placed incredible value on urgency. And their thought constantly was, God's going to come and repair things. God is going to come and address this. The end is near. There's an urgency. We need to lean into the next days with urgency. So you could say that Peter got it wrong, or you could say that they, they understood urgency differently. And I think it would be good for us to live with a bit more urgency. A bit more of that sense that the timeline of my life is finite, and I, I should use it well. And, and the timeline of history is in God's hands, and he's going to do something astonishing, and I should expect it, and I should wait for it, and I should live into it 
with promise and hope. That's the posture. You could say Peter got it wrong, or you could say maybe Peter's got something here that we need to pay attention to and live with a greater urgency. If you were to crank up the urgency in your life, what would be in your diary, on your to-do list? Peter says, well, how about this? Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Be sober, alert, diligent, awake in your spirit, and connect with God in prayer often. Love God. And then love each other deeply. Practice hospitality. Open the borders of your life and welcome others in, and don't grumble about it. It's like Peter has been inside our heads, isn't it? Don't grumble about it. Practice a kind of love that flows from a place of joy rather than a place of obligation. Don't love others just because you heard a sermon, went out Sunday afternoon and said, well, by golly, i got to love this crowd around me. Uh, It's actually meant to be a sense of joy in all of that. And then take whatever gift has been given you, Peter says, and serve. Serve with words, serve with actions, serve well, and give all glory to God. I want to focus on one word in that text that we've read this morning, and it's the word steward, because it will help us to get this sense of service and loving others and and try to root it in a joyful place, steward. Uh, Peter says that we we should use whatever gift we have been given to serve others as faithful stewards of the grace of God in its, in its various forms, manifestations, all, its, all of its many colors. We should be stewards. Now, it's sort of an old school word. We don't use it a lot today. You hear it on an airplane occasionally to describe the stewards and stewardesses who bring you the resources of the airline to your seat. Not a bad metaphor. It describes somebody who visits the warehouse to bring the resources to the mission. And if you would keep your eyes on the giver of your gifts and the receiver of your gifts, you'll travel very well in this whole business of loving God and loving others and serving the world. I want to talk about being stewards this morning. When I was in primary school, there was a task that was assigned occasionally to a student who was sitting up, being quiet, doing their work, behaving on that particular day. You would be sent to the administrative office with a list of supplies to be collected for the class and brought back to the teacher. Now, that was a wonderful assignment, not least because you got out of class for a little bit of time, But you went to the school resource cupboard. Now, as I aged and heightened, I realized that's what it is. It's a cupboard. But when I was in primary school, it was a warehouse. (laughs) I remember being sent to the administrative office with the list to get some pencils, crayons, a chalkboard eraser, some colored paper. And on this particular occasion, I wasn't asked to stand behind the administrative desk where, the, where the, you know, the individuals with power went in. I was invited into the cupboard. And I had never seen so many pencils in all my life. Crayons galore in all the variegated colors of the rainbow. And colored construction paper. And there were enough chalkboard erasers to do our school till Jesus comes. 
I had never seen so many resources. It struck me that we could color all day and then some, and we would never run out of good things. I was given my little packet of stuff and sent back to the classroom, and that is a picture of you and I on mission with Jesus. I want you this morning to to open your eyes to God's warehouse, to open your spirit to God's provision, to a recognition that as God sends his children on mission in the world, he does so with a heart to bless. Uh, We are invited to love God because God first loved us. And we are invited to serve God because God postures himself as creator and servant, Jesus says. I didn't come to be served, but to serve. I want to invite you this morning to open your heart to God's warehouse of enormous blessing and promise. Peter says, if you're going to speak, speak with the very words of God. If you're going to serve, serve with the strength that comes from God. And what you need to know this morning is there is a warehouse of right words beyond what you could imagine. When God sends you to encourage a friend, he's got a warehouse of possibility. When God sends you to provide for someone, he has a warehouse of strength and capacity. And if you fix your eyes on the warehouse, if you fix your heart on this this sense of God's delight to serve, uh, it, it changes the shape of these things. When the Israelites were in Egypt and were being forced to make bricks and things came unstuck, the Pharaoh said to them one day, you can make your bricks now and there'll be no straw. I want you to know God never, ever does that. He never sends people on mission to build for him without the necessary resourcing. And if you feel like you don't have the necessary resourcing, then maybe you're doing the wrong thing job because God always provides for the things he calls us to engage in, to serve in, and to be a part of as his blessing to the world. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I want you to take your eyes off the warehouse now for just a moment. And put your eyes on the recipient of your gift. Because if you keep your eyes and heart focused on the giver and the getter of your gifts, you'll go well, always. Put your eyes on the recipient of your gift. We are stewards, but we are not head stewards. We go to God's warehouse, we are overwhelmed by what's there, but we do not get to choose whatever gift we want. We don't get to say, I'm taking all the crayons back to my classroom. We don't get to take the gifts and sit in the hallway and please ourselves. I think I'll just spend the afternoon playing with the chalkboard eraser on the walls of the school. That would not go well. We as stewards have this incredible job of visiting the warehouse and then going to the point of need, going to the the, the recipient. And so the gifts God gives us, he's the head steward, are not for us. They are for others. That is the whole point of being a steward. You visit an awesome warehouse, and you take the resource to a point of incredible need. 
This is what God calls each of us to, to recognize the amazing warehouse of his grace and then to turn our hearts, our heads, and our hands toward the very significant need that exists around us. There are people in your neighborhood, people in your family. There are people that you work with and study with who need the resources of God. They need care and provision. They need insight and wisdom. They need a word of encouragement. And you and I are charged to take whatever gift God has given us and use it to serve others. We're charged to take these enablements and empower the lives of other people. If you had just one week left to live, what would you do? Well, Peter says, here's what you should do. You should take whatever gift you have and serve someone else. That's what you should do. You should take the last week of your life and you should look around you and say, where's the need? And then you should attend to, what, what do I have in my hand? And you should step in and serve. Can you see how that's somewhat countercultural? And counter to our own inward broken trend, my inclination is to think if I have a little time, I'd better use it to get myself organized. I'd better use it to serve myself. And Peter is saying exactly the same thing. Because the end is near, we would do well to focus on others. Peter's point is very simple. The end is near. Stop thinking about yourself. His point is very provocative. The end is near. It's a great time to serve the needs of others around you. And I don't want you to think that this is because God doesn't care for you. It's exactly the opposite. It is because of God's profound care for each of us that he says, if you want to know the joy of living, what you need to do is you need to take your gift and serve others. And that's where the most profound experiences of life's joy and plenty and possibilities emerge. To be a good steward of a gift, you need to focus on the giver and focus on the getter. You need to focus on the, on the one who is gracious in giving and the one who will receive that gift and be the servant in that space. And all will go well. I want to pray this morning and I want to give you courage to do exactly that. Because I recognize that it's easier to talk about than it is to do. If you had one week left to live, Peter says, you should take your gift, your capacity, your, your, your strength of person, your resources, and you should find somebody and serve them. And that is how the kingdom of God is built up. That is how God's purposes unfold in the world. And as we live in that way, God blesses us profoundly. It says that as we, if, if anyone serves and does it in this way, then God will be praised through Jesus Christ. And that is the goal. So I'd like to invite you this morning to bring to mind these two things, the warehouse and the mission. This incredible storehouse where God's provisions lay and the need that is around you. And I'd like to pray into your heart and your life and my heart and my life, what would it take for us to be the stewards, for us to be the channel, for us to be the connection point between all of that. That's what we're called to be. Let me lead you in prayer. Father God, open our eyes to see your warehouse this morning. 
It's very easy for us to live God in a broken world, sensing that we don't have what we need, when in fact we do. You have blessed us with every good thing. Every gift comes down from the Father of lights. And you have promised to satisfy the deep needs of our lives and to equip us for your mission. So, Father, help us to see that amazing warehouse of words and strength, of enablements and power, that we might be emboldened this morning. There's nothing you are asking us to do that you will not provide the resource for it. God, the harder thing is to open our eyes to the needs around us. And so we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and our our insights, God, to see the needs around us in family, in the places of community engagement. Lord, all, all these places where people are and deep need prevails. Sometimes it's unseen initially. We have to listen and wait and press in. God, help us to see the need that surrounds us so that we can be the stewards that you call us to be. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Lord, bring to mind the pictures of those to whom we should speak, the faces of those whom we should serve with your strength. Bring to mind, God, the circumstances for which we are called to be stewards. For if we are to love God and love others and serve the world, we need to do so in practice. So, Lord, give us that calling afresh today and assure us of your, your stewarding presence, your, your head steward presence to provide the gifts to enable us to serve. And our passion is that you would know the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen.